0: Welcome to the fantasy finish line. It's Wednesday, September 28th, 2022, and it's week four in the NFL. Tonight we're going to talk about player trends and analysis. Uh, We hope that it's a very sweet podcast and you don't sour on us. Ooh. Very clever. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Jason, and I'm joined as always by Dave, uh, the number ten overall fantasy pros expert at the moment. Is that right, Dave? I
1: I love that. I love that you sound so chuffed about it, and I'm excited about it too. But but I would I am I, certainly chuffed. I would uh, I would wish for that to be uh, you know number one or two or three. Of course. But yeah, uh, after over three weeks, um, number ten overall so far. Uh, one week I was number seven overall the other weeks I've done pretty well um, and I think I'm like uh, uh in the top 10 for wide receivers um i've I've chosen them really well over the first couple weeks okay so happy about that
0: well I hope I play you this week in one of our leagues so that I can use this power against you well i have to have <laughs> i have to have the
1: i have to have the right players though you know to be able to play them so. right. Uh, you can have all the power in the world, but if you don't have the right pieces... You may know
0: right. You may know who's good, but if you don't have them on your team, it's not going to help you any.
1: That's exactly right.
0: All right, so uh, tonight we're going to talk about some player trends and kind of analyze all that. Um, since it's been three weeks, we like to say three weeks makes a trend, so we can finally dive into some trends since it's been three weeks of NFL football. Uh, we will be sweet on some players and sour on some others, which kind of informs... Definitely informs what type of beer we're drinking tonight. In my hand here, I have the Noon Whistle Fuzzy Smack Berliner Weiss with peach. Uh, that's the sour beer. And in a little while, we're going to have the left-hand peanut butter milk stout, which uh, just looks absolutely delicious. I don't remember if I've had it before. It's probably
1: been years. you got to love most of the peanut butter beers.
0: And we got a selection of other treats on the table that we will dive into uh, in a little bit. But... Um, First, we made a bet last week. We ate a lot of hot wings, had a lot of super hot sauces—not a lot, but enough, quite enough. My face was feeling the effects of the heat for like two hours.
1: We had five, and we started off uh, nice and gentle. And I forgot to mention this on the on the show, but the last sauce that we had was actually six hundred and sixty-seven thousand Scoville heat units. Um, which Why wouldn't is,
0: they just say that it's six hundred and sixty-six thousand?
1: Because uh, they've they've. They've had to count all those sprays of a bottle of water. It's even
0: better. Oh, I see.
1: So you know,
0: <laughs> you can't lie about
1: Scovilles. What was the name of that sauce? Shu's. It's the Eye of the Scorpion, and it's a very hot sauce. Uh, very hot indeed. And we all enjoyed it. Even uh, some people here off camera, and we were all sweating. So uh, it's not like that kind of hot sauce can can slip by anybody's purview. It's uh, right. It's hot for everyone. It's hot for everyone. Yeah,
0: but it was. It just made my mouth. Inoperable for a while. Meanwhile, you were able to just talk like normal.
1: Yeah, sort of. I mean, I was I was sweating with the rest of us on the inside. I've just had a lot of that sauce.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what we did last week is we picked uh, a small team of five players: a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and flex. Dave's team of Jameis Winston, Tony Pollard, Brandon Ayuk, um, all reasonably performing players. Hayden Hurst really did not come through for you, and you picked Jacoby Myers, who ended up not playing. So you got your substitute in before the game started. That was Russell Gage. Nice job. He was the best player on your team.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately it came down to our quarterbacks, to be fair. Um, it certainly did. But, uh, but yeah, I picked a good replacement. There's a lot of players that were in that like 75 to 100 uh, category that I thought were very serviceable. And we're talking about the flex position. Uh, so Jacoby couldn't play. I put in Gage. Obviously, Gage in a good position. Do you remember where
0: he was at in the rankings on eight, the flex?
1: 80-something, 80 85, 80. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Traylon Burks didn't do so well. Hayden Hurst didn't do so well for me. Uh, the other players were kind of uh, close to each other in statistics. And then it ended up being kind of a, um, a Trevor Lawrence wins the day for you.
0: Indeed it was. So I had Lawrence, Harris, Damien Harris, Curtis Samuel, Tyler Conklin, <clears throat> Uh, 12.4 points nice game from him and then Traylon burks who did not do much at all but i finished with 61.38 points dave had 58.42 so one of our uh much closer bets we've definitely had many runaways before when we make podcast bets so runaway it's cool to see this one come in close um so any uh any closing thoughts on that
1: no, I had to buy beer for this podcast, and I did, uh, as well as uh, some selected candies that go along with the theme. So I hope you enjoy that. Oh, yeah, beer and candy, you know, feed me that, and
0: I'm happy, happy man. And I'm sure <laughs> I'm
1: sure we'll have uh, many bets left in the season, so we'll see how, how this whole thing goes. Yeah,
0: I think that... Um, but you
1: only won by less than three points, so it was a close... It was very close. ...close encounter. I thought maybe you would win, and then I... Uh,
0: because I was like, because when I'm adding it up, I'm like, man, he's got a lot of Russell Gage points to add add, add on to it. at the very end, but it just wasn't quite enough. Tyler Conklin, you know, 12.4 points. I was really psyched about that because um, he was kind of a guy that was really way down on the tight end list, and uh, to recommend a streaming option like that to come through makes me very happy.
1: Well, I think what you should take out of this uh, and everyone else that's listening or watching uh, on the YouTube channel, which by the way, subscribe. Uh, and, and like this video if, uh, if you're watching right now on YouTube. We I think would I'll really, like it right now. Really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, what we should take away from this really is that these are all recommendations of players that are beyond the, um, the always plays, and all of them, for the most part, in half PR, PPR did pretty well. In fact, every player here besides uh, two of them finished with more than 10 half PPR points meaning that um, we're actually telling people some good advice and that's, that's what I want to get across. (laughs) We could have had much worse scores from these players that are not uh, necessarily in every week. Start. Yeah, We basically average
0: 12 points a player. And if you're averaging 10 points a player, then you're, you know, you're know, you reaching the average.
1: Yeah, take away the quarterbacks who are going to be probably 15, uh, at least 13, 14 plus for almost all of them. Yeah. Uh, and I think we did well on the positional skill play. And we
0: averaged point, 12 points a player starting much lower on the rankings than you would have to for your own starting lineup. Right. Very nice. So, um, I write a column every week. It's called Statistically Insignificant. Uh, it's posted, well, let's just say my uh, life schedule has been a little tweaked, so Uh, I'm trying to get it up on Mondays. It's been going up Monday right around the beginning of the NFL game. So it's a nice little read once you've gotten uh, tired of watching all the goofy ESPN graphics and you just want to have the Monday night game on as background noise. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a good thing to turn to and read. I like to look at some different stats. I try to sign it towards fantasy, but sometimes it just doesn't, uh, you know, sometimes it's just interesting things to talk about that don't have a ton of fantasy relevance this week um, was mostly fantasy stuff, but what's the coolest stat, I think is that Lamar Jackson has now scored forty points in a row two week forty points two weeks in a row, and I can't think of another quarterback that's done that ever. Um, um
1: I, I I don't know offhand, yeah, but uh, forty
0: points is probably roughly in the top twenty all time like quarterback performances, because like forty three points reaches like the
1: number ten all time score. Yeah, you have guys like Michael Vick that had like a forty point game. Michael Vick has the biggest game, yeah. And a couple other ones. For a quarterback. But some people were putting out these numbers like uh the top five um uh performances so far this season include Lamar Jackson up there at the top, but then also Lamar Jackson without any rushing stats is also number five. Um oh
0: I forgot I had that stat. I figured it out. So
1: because somebody (laughs) mentioned that when I posted the
0: article on Reddit that the i think it was last year or his mvp year if you split up his quarterback and running back stats he would be top 10 in both positions so if you pulled out his running back stats this week he wouldn't uh, not this week but this year he wouldn't be like a top 10 quarterback but he is a top 10 uh, running back he would be the rb5 on his rushing stats alone it's like two touchdowns and over 250 yards or something like that yeah so um, very impressive so far this year from Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I think I took a while to warm up to him, but I was in Baltimore uh, watching the game at a seafood restaurant, and it was very fun to watch him just go off. And everybody in the place was very excited to see him play. Um, there were three teams that scored 16 points on the defense and special teams, the Panthers, the Bengals, and the Browns. That was the high water mark for the week. Um, I just thought it was strange that three teams all scored the exact same amount. And only the Panthers had a touchdown out of them.
1: Just a moment before you continue we have a question in the in the chat room from, oh, from Buddy and he asks uh, Pierce Singletary or Aker's at flex in full PPR. I think that's really easy. Um Devin Singletary has full price. has started to get some uh, carries taken away from him by James Cook. Um Aker's is not someone that I'm willing to put any marbles into at the moment. I realized that he had a decent game last week but that's mostly because of uh of some splash uh points sure and so uh, I'm going Damian Pierce uh who uh Jason will talk about shortly but I think we both agree is going to have more and more of a of an impact in the Houston offense and I think that out of those three he's clearly the best start uh this week
0: yeah you're right I will talk about Pierce later I agree with you in this selection that this week I would go with Pierce uh which kind of gives you a clue as to whether or not I'm sweet or sour on him But uh, we will – I'll go over the reasons in a little bit. There was another stat I wanted to bring up, which is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire scored 12.4 fantasy points last week as a running back and had zero rushing yards. And he's not one of those, you know, uh, Darren Sproles-type running backs who just catches passes all the time. Um, He had seven carries for zero yards and scored 12.4 points. So that's a – you know
1: because of five that receptions happens. that doesn't happen yes and, but he's not known for being a guy who catches the ball well i'll be chatting about him later as well oh fantastic um but yes the the seven rushes for, for zero uh yards is not doing him any favors with uh with the team or uh continuing play time with the chiefs interesting interesting however the 12 points and i'll talk about this later but he's been scoring a lot of points whether or not that is uh something that's indicative of uh trajectory going forward is is something that we'll have a conversation about
0: okay so let's have a little sip of beer eh? and then we will move on to our player trends i'm gonna crack open this one
1: so so the way this works at least in in my mind here is that when you're talking about a specific player um if if it is somebody that that in fact you are really positive about then we're going with the sweet candy and the sweet beer, in this case, which is the left hand peanut butter milk stout and Reese's peanut butter cups, which I hope go pretty well together. But
0: I can't imagine they won't.
1: You have to keep eating those and drinking those as, as much as you want until you get to a point where uh, there is uh, a sour that you're going to talk about. Okay. So um, you can't be switching back and forth.
0: Okay, we'll alternate players, though, to make it more interesting, I suppose. <laughs>
1: Well, oh, cheers, Dave. Sweet and sour. All right. Oh,
0: it smells like a peanut butter cup. So I'll, what I'll, a great start.
1: I'll post these up on the website as well, drink5.com. You can uh, look more in depth at some of the stats that, that maybe you are uh, breezing over because uh, you're listening to them rather than reading them. I know personally for me that, that actually looking at or writing down stats uh, leaves much more of an impactful Um, impression in my head than just listening to somebody talk about them. But but I hope that uh, you get something out of this segment.
0: All right. And uh, cheers to all of you on Reddit who picked up on the Letterkenny references in my last column. I'll have a beer to that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start with uh, my first player, and I will just have a drink of the sweet beer in honor of my guy, Trevor Lawrence the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars finally showing that he was worth possibly uh, all the hype that he had last year.
1: Do you have Jacksonville posters in your room yet?
0: No, but I have a I have purchased Jacksonville Jaguars jerseys in the past. <laughs> That's a thing. Okay. So this week he's going to be playing Philadelphia and he is busting out in his second season. Um, and that's right where you want to see quarterbacks, like young quarterbacks need to get better in their second year. Otherwise, it's usually a big red flag. He's increased his fantasy output every week this w- year so far. 14.4 points to start off, 18.5, and then last week he had 25.18 points. Uh, his team has scored more points every week. He has had more completions every week. He's increased his passing touchdowns every week. So like it was pointed out on Reddit, uh, he's increasing by one every single week. So that trend should continue. Does that have anything to do with... And by week like
1: 12, we're in really good shape. With the opponents that he's played, have have they uh, been very good defenses, for example? So his opponents
0: thus far, the Washington Commanders, I got that right on the first try, the Indianapolis Colts, (laughs) Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers, uh, clearly not a stout defense this year so far.
1: Um, Colts having troubles as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not great. Uh, and he had like kind of an up and down game in week one Um, but if that's the worst game that he has this year then you know that's great 14.4 points as as a low watermark is pretty good for
1: a quarterback yeah well i can't argue with the trend uh so far so uh, please continue
0: sure um so his adp this year going into the season was around the 19th quarterback taken right now he's the 10th quarterback overall um he's coming off a big win on the road he's got to have a lot of confidence finally now that the team situation has changed they're two and one uh they've won two games in a row they won i would say like a big game for them going to los angeles and winning on the road uh it's got to be a big deal really anywhere they can get a win right now sure um so i think this is the beginning of lawrence's breakout season i really like what i'm seeing out of him i really think that what you're going to get is a sort of blossoming year for Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars offense is going to be better. They're not going to you know, light it up every week. They're not going to be superstars, but I am very high on him this uh week. I expect him to be a low-end quarterback 1 um week after week. I expect him to be a definite starter every week in two quarterback leagues. And you know, they have outscored their opponents 62 to 10 over the last 2 weeks, which is probably a stat that hasn't been beat by anybody else in the league. Uh, and something that i find shocking coming from the jacksonville jaguars to be perfectly honest when you look at their opponents yeah it's a little expected uh playing to you know middle of the road to bad teams but that being said you have to play the teams that are in front of you and they've done their job there trevor lawrence is playing very well right now he's got christian kirk he's got um james robinson and travis etienne There is a good core of players around him. Zay Jones was just uh, like a waiver wire hot pickup this week because he had such a big game last week. So there is suddenly a lot of fantasy football value there on the Jaguars, aside from Trevor Lawrence. But I really like what's going on with him. I'm very sweet on him for this season.
1: You're sweet on him. That's nice. I
0: will have some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in his honor. Please do have a peanut butter cup. I'm going to open it, and it's going to sound terrible on the microphone. That sounds fun. I'll try and hide that.
1: It sounds lovely. I can hear it very clearly. Well, you're 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 hearing things louder than uh, than those folks are driving in their car listening to you, but they really just want a peanut butter cup, and so. Uh, but they can't have one. a little bit of jealousy
0: unless they're extremely lucky and they have some with them.
1: So a peanut butter uh, stout and a peanut butter cup and Trevor Lawrence. What what I like is if uh, we revisit this in a couple weeks and do another segment on trends, and we can go back to these trends that we that we have these prognoses uh, uh, on prognosis probably prognosis it's not prognosis prognosis I, I would think it's prognosis prognosis yes it's one of those things <laughs> and so um, I, we go back to this and, and see how we've done uh, obviously it's hard to tell because it's going to be based on to some degree oh right? that works peanut butter and peanut butter go together okay believe it or not <laughs> Uh, well, my first guy I wanted to discuss was, butter and chocolate and milk stout. was Russell Wilson. Uh, Wilson finished the 2021 season as the 16th best fantasy quarterback, but a lot of us still remember him uh, as the guy who finished quarterback five back to back in seasons 2019 and 2020 for fantasy football. So, what happened to him uh, that last year he was the 16th overall? Now, now this year he's falling even further behind. Uh, well, trending down so far since week one. Obviously traded to the Broncos. Uh, over the offseason and uh, now on a brand new team for him with a brand new offensive scheme etc I'll get to that later he scored 17.8 points against the former Seahawks team that he was on uh, 12.06 versus Houston and 9.06 just last week against the 49ers well the Broncos ended up punting 10 times on Sunday and I don't know where that is overall in the history of football games but it seems like an awful lot of times so I think when they got to eight It was the most that
0: a Russell Wilson team had ever punted.
1: So he beat his own record twice is what you're trying. Easily. Uh, A total of eight three and outs and ten punts for that game. what it was? Eight three and outs. I see. Uh, Seems unable to find his footing and put up a decent effort scrambling, which used to be kind of his forte, uh, and is unable to do that now even when he's escaping from the pocket. Nothing is really happening there. He has not had many rushing attempts uh, in general that are contrived. Um, this is probably a failing of not only Russell Wilson but also the offensive coordinator and those play calls that are coming out. Uh, the Broncos only have two passing touchdowns in their three games so far this season. <laughs> the Broncos' rookie head coach Nathaniel Hackett is looked at by some people as a as a genius, uh, as as someone who uh, who knows all there is to know about the game. There was a lot of buzz. A wunderkind. There was a lot of buzz coming in. Yeah, a Wunderkind. Uh, about, uh, about Hackett. Obviously, uh, a lot of us saw, if not all of us, probably at least uh, some highlights on ESPN or NFL Network later about him attempting a 64-yard field goal instead of going forward on fourth and five in their loss against the Seahawks in week one. And that was looked at as a pretty boneheaded decision. Now, it may have been one of those things where if that, uh, if that field goal had actually come to pass, he could have been looked at as a genius. I I tend to uh, to disagree with that sentiment in general. A 64-yard field goal instead of letting your Russell Wilson that you just spent a ton of money on and invested in heavily get five yards on fourth down to put you in a better position and maybe win that game is a horrible decision. And so Hackett did a horrible job. <laughs> I don't think there's any way around that. Is there, Do you see a way where he can escape from that uh, logic?
0: No, I mean, that was... There are a few, like, universally, like, crapped on, like, decisions like that. Yeah. And, like, that is one where everyone came together and said Nathaniel Hackett is terrible at what he... Was terrible at his job on that
1: night. At least what he did that game. On
0: that night, he was very bad at his job. He's probably a lot better than we give him credit for uh, because it's only been a couple of weeks. Well, we'll see. And they did end up winning the game.
1: They lost the game.
0: Or against the 49ers they won
1: this was the seahawks game in week one uh but this team in general needs to help wilson by providing better targets now sutton seems to be the only consistent receiver out there Cortland sutton with jerry judy who seems to be constantly uh banged up so far this season and i don't know if that's going to reconcile itself or not but there's really no other wide receiver out there uh the tight end um who has a a wonderful name uh oak oak uh I think I'm close. Albert Bugnum. O- you haven't said it the same way yet. Okwigabunum. I'm going to go with Okwigabunum.
0: Okwigabunum? Okwigabunum.
1: Okwegbunum. Okwigabunum. Okwigabunum.
0: Okay. Let's just throw a few more U's in there. For I'm going to call him
1: Albert O.K. So Albert O.K. uh Only recorded 45 receiving yards so far this year. And I don't know if you've been interested in... The, uh, the tight end class over the past two years, but he's been a very hyped guy going into this season. Certainly has been. Hasn't really done very much still. Now Hackett needs to lead with an offense that's more grounded in rushing like Wilson was already successful with in Seattle. You would think that someone acquiring Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks could maybe have a little bit of a breadth of work to look at and see what that player is And they good have in. a
0: good running game in Denver right now. Sort of. They have they, good backs.
1: They don't focus on the the rush as uh, as a primary offensive tactic. right? And, and they will have a lot of shotgun plays, et cetera. Yeah. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than, like, the ghost of, uh, of John Elway, um, and he's not well, dead yet. And what's but.
0: weird is because
1: <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator for the Packers,
0: and they did not seem like they would ever shy away from running the ball with Aaron Jones
1: and A.J. Dillon over the last couple of years. Um, so I don't know why it's suddenly different. Well, he must have thought that he could change Russell Wilson into more of this shotgun, uh, pocket, long ball quarterback. And Russell Wilson has always been good in those situations when he is, um, when he is, has a focused run game that allows him to be able to um, have more time for downfield attempts and prevent the defense from concentrating. On taking away from his receivers. Absolutely, I agree with you. I and think that's that, not happening.
0: I think that what they need to do is put him back under center, so we can run more play action and more bootlegs.
1: Yeah, so it, it's clear to us, of course, not uh, you right know, sitting here in your basement drinking beer, being a, you know senior <laughs> management on the Denver Broncos, or Wednesday night. Uh, quarterbacks, but uh, I feel like they have to make this this shift in, into something that's more of a Russell Wilson-focused offense. It's not like this guy is going to suddenly turn on a dime, become a different quarterback than he was over the past you know eight or whatever years he was on the Seahawks. Uh huh. So the Broncos have the pieces here for a team that can make a run at it. We already talked about that. Uh, I think that focusing on that run game with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon first and foremost and finding another working piece for the passing game because KJ Hamler, who's their third wide receiver, is contributing nothing. And Jerry Judy still looks to be uh, a little bit bogged down with injuries, et cetera. This could change, but right now it's really Cortland Sutton who is constantly trying to get free uh, for, for long ball passes from Russell Wilson while Russell Wilson is running for his life and the other opposing defenses are not respecting the uh, rushing offense because they're not putting it forward as a primary component of the offense. Anyway, uh, the smart move really here is to move away from Russell Wilson and any other pieces of this offense besides Javante Williams and Cortland Sutton, who I think can still succeed. um, But he'll continue to underperform. Russell will. I don't think it's his fault necessarily, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to do well this year. He's certainly not going to finish at the QB five position. And to be honest, putting him in, a, in a, a finish of like a QB 16, like he did last year, uh, will, might even be a tough thing for him to do if, uh, if they're going to continue to run the offense the way that they currently are. He's looking like an average to below average quarterback in this offense currently. And that's too bad for Russell. Uh, and that's a very sour, uh, prognosis for him. So, Indeed. So I'm going to have one of these sour punch bites, and I'm currently drinking the, uh, um, the noon whistle, uh, Peach Burliner Weiss.
0: I agree with you on the sourness, yeah, of Russell Wilson's game. Well, it's just
1: what it is right now. Go so, go ahead.
0: My second guy is Damian Pierce, mm. not to be confused with Damian Targaryen, who, um, you know, graces our screen every week. Thank you, uh, huh. <laughs> Matt Smith so the running back for houston damian pierce in week four he's playing the la chargers they're hosting them in houston so as a rookie um it seemed like pierce was going to be eased into the regular season rotation on the offense but it perhaps that has been accelerated a little bit he's increased his carries every week he's increased his overall yardage and most importantly he's gone from about 30 percent of the offensive snaps in week one to 60 percent in weeks two and three he scored 4.4, 8.2, and then 17.1 points just last week. He's increased his receiving yards every week, though that's kind of a minor output, so it doesn't count as much as the other much more important stats. What I really like to see there is the percent of offensive snaps. When you have a running back and the guy isn't on the field as much, then it's almost worse than them being in a some sort of split carries because if they're on the field a lot, then they're a threat for the ball. But if they only come on the field when they get the ball, then they usually don't have very much success. It takes a guy like um, that guy on the Falcons a couple years ago, who only came on the you know on the field five or six times a game, and you know did all kinds of craziness with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Damian Pierce, I think, gonna continue to play well. Though he's a rookie running back, so as we would always say, temper your expectations with that. Um, it's not going to be as consistent as someone like lawrence who playing from the quarterback position has a big advantage from that aspect anyways this week though he does have a really good matchup as we mentioned earlier pierce is going to face the chargers uh who have given up the fifth most points to opposing running backs they surrendered a touchdown and every week so far to the running backs pierce is 65 has 65 percent of the team's rushing attempts so he's in line to some be somewhere between like a featured back who gets like the majority of the carries and a bell cow back who gets like all the carries. He's kind of right in between there, right now. So I, I like Pierce going forward. I don't think that he's going to be uh, having his like breakout season like a Trevor Lawrence, but I think that I can confidently say that I'm, you know, sweet on his outlook. And I think that Pierce will do well. I like him this week for sure. I like him going forward, though not as much as I like him this week. A side note on this game, the Texans have the worst rushing defense in the league through three weeks. They are 32nd in rushing attempts, given up 32nd in rushing yards, given up.
1: Yikes. Yeah.
0: They're giving up like 5.6 yards per carry. (laughs) It's not good. So start your Chargers. uh, Well, I guess it would be Austin Eckler. So, I mean, you were going to start him anyways, but he should be in line for a very good game as well.
1: We're not talking about Eckler, but Eckler's also had his share of issues. Do you own him on any fantasy leagues right now? I do. Okay, so uh, he has in general underperformed uh, where we see some of the other running backs on that team uh, getting a whole bunch of carries. It was sort of unexpected, but I think the Chargers haven't really been playing up to the level that we expect them to. Um, and some of that might have to do with Justin Herbert's injury, Um, Some of that might have to do with um, some reconfigurations of the offense. Um, But uh, I I do expect them to to get back into form. And I don't really see a reason why Austin Eckler would drop off so dramatically uh, at this point in his career. So I I don't necessarily think there's a big reason to worry just yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, So this year, the Chargers... Who's running
0: the ball the most there on the team then? So... Austin Eckler still has the most rushing attempts on the team with 32. And then Sony Michelle has half that at 16. So even though he's not getting the ball a ton, they're not even running the ball that much. Really? They have 67 rushing attempts. That's it.
1: Um, you know, he's still the primary back there. So, so yep. I'm sweet on him. Feel free to peanut butter it up, man. <laughs> so, Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, is who I'm going to be speaking about. You you already uh, touched on him a little bit from your article this week, uh, which is posted on Drink 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is going up against Tampa Bay, which is a pretty stout defense, and we'll see how he does. I'm going to talk a little bit about how he started the season, on fire with the two receiving touchdowns in the first match against Arizona. So a lot of people that selected him, uh, that were high on him, even though his ADP was originally as a running back 27 in this year's draft on average, we really weren't sure how he might be utilized by this new Chiefs offense. Obviously, there was a lot of rotating pieces uh, at the wide receiver position. And since they underwent such a radical change at that position, um, there was a, a lot of talk out there, and I'm sure there was internally as well in the organization, about how Patrick Mahomes might handle that, how things might change a little bit, et cetera, by shaking up those wide receivers. Well, it turns out that the Chiefs intend to do much of the same at the running back position as they did last year, even though they don't have all the same pieces. One rotated out, a couple rotated in. They actually acquired Ronald Jones, but he hasn't even played yet for them this year. Um, he's, he's pretty much the, the running back four at the moment, sort of waiting in the wings for an injury opportunity. But it looks like it's going to be that same kind of committee as it was for most of last year, where there's not one person that's going to get a whole bunch of the majority of carries. The, the script that each individual matchup might dictate uh, is, going to, uh, is going to go right into which players are getting the most points in that game. Now, Edwards has scored uh, overall more than anybody else on that offense, but let's get into why that is. He scored 20.9 points in Week 1, 13.8 in Week 2 against the Chargers, and 12.4 in Week 3 versus the Colts. That is a trend that goes downward, but it's still a large amount of points for someone who was the 27th running back selected. Right, he's probably, what, the RB4 right now? I doubt he's that high. Um,
0: Well, he was the 3 before the Monday night game, and I'm sure that, um, what's
1: his face, Saquon Barkley passed him. I don't have the numbers. But uh, yeah, I'm going to look that up. But in each game, he had a similar uh, rushing amount of attempts. So seven in the first week, eight in the second week, seven in the third week. Very low rushing attempts. And he has been heavily involved in the passing game since the beginning of the season. He has also scored a 100% catch rate with those targets, trending up from three to four to five in weeks one through three. So he won't be phased out of the offense, and that's never been the discussion. The discussion is... Uh, Is he going to be someone who outperforms his ADP and someone that you can look to as an every week person? Or is he someone who's more of a sell high target right now? Um, There's a couple things working against him that we should talk about that that have to do directly with his future trajectory. So Uh number one is Jerick McKinnon leads the Chiefs backfield which is comprised of Edwards Hilaire, McKinnon, and and Isaiah Pacheco with a 28% snap share. And two, rookie Isaiah Pacheco is starting to get more attempts and build more confidence and rapport with Mahomes and company. In other words, in my opinion, and based on the facts that we have presented to us, and also what you said in the statistics that you were mentioning earlier, Mm -hmm. is is Hilaire is a huge sell candidate. So after putting up a couple of decent numbers over the first few weeks, even though they are trending down, looking at the amount of attempts he's had and how involved he actually is in the offense on a play-by-play basis, this is mostly backfield catches and touchdown dependent point scoring. Both other running backs are, are constantly vying for opportunities in this offense, and they're getting early down, third down, and goal line work, and CEH is only averaging around 12 touches per game. And zero rushing yards, like you mentioned, coming from the seven week three carries that he had, which means that he only had positive net carries from 15 rushes the entire season, (laughs) which is less than a regular feature back or even above average back on a team might get in one game. Yeah. So the only reason why he is up there as a running back four or five or whatever he's listed as is the touchdowns that he's gotten off of receiving back plays. Mm Mm-hmm. And those have no guarantee to be involved uh, uh, specifically with Clyde. In fact, Jarek McKinnon is is getting just as many uh, uh, passing plays, if not more, in third down situations as, as Clyde Edwards-Alaire is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's a trap. And it's great to celebrate it's getting some points from a mid-round draft pick. But owners are about to find out really quickly that this is smoke and mirrors, and the last opportunity to sell high is right now. Going up against Tampa Bay is not going to do him any favors, uh, and expect a sour future ahead for the third-year running back in which he performs at exactly his running back 27 ADP. So
0: he is currently the RB4 on the season, uh, which is a great thing to point out to people when you're trying to uh, unload him. Yeah,
1: so sell him high, and, and don't talk too much about the individual stats that he has. Talk about the points... That he has.
0: Yes, I could drink to that. Drink a sour beer, that is. (laughs) I don't disagree with you on this one. All right. My last player is Brandon Cooks. So he had a very quiet start to the season. He was certainly expected to do better uh, since he was the WR20 at the end of the year last year. He had three great games when he uh, he was starting in the last four weeks of the season. He did sit out week 16, I believe, but weeks 14, 15, and 17 were all really good, all very important for the fantasy season. This year, he has 22.3 points combined over his first three games, 11.7, 7.4, and then 3.2 last week. So I think he's being held back by Davis Mills, who is an o quarter, okay quarterback at best. It, sort of his ceiling is like mediocrity. His ceiling doesn't quite reach the Andy Dalton line or whatever wherever that line may be. We're not sure this year. Uh-huh. Um, so perhaps he can start to break out a little bit. If, as we said earlier, like uh, Damian Pierce can get it rolling a little bit more and be consistent, um, that means that there will be less focus on Brandon Cooks But I I don't have a ton of faith in Houston. So he is basically the only thing that opposing defenses are focusing on right now. He needs someone else to take at least a little bit of that attention. That way he can be free to do what he wants. What's happened is his targets have gone down, uh, his receptions have gone down, his yards have gone down. But what's happened, like the biggest stat to me, is that his catch percentage has gone down each week. Last week he had seven targets and only two receptions. This shows me. It's not like he forgot to catch the ball or forgot how to catch the ball. It's that he's being covered and double covered and all of his catches are contested and they're very difficult. They're not hitting him when he's open because he's probably not getting a chance to get open at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's covered a lot. And this week is a good place for him to kind of turn that around a little bit. The Chargers are giving up the sixth most fantasy points to opposing players. And I think that he's worth sticking for for this week at least. But the Texans offense is far from a juggernaut. Cooks isn't going to be a drop, but he may be a tough start every week. Um, I don't think that you're going to want to be just like leaving him in your starting lineup. You're probably going to be bringing him in and out based on the matchup. So unless the Texans offense can start overachieving, I don't see a very bright future for Cooks. If he plays well this week, if the, Charger, if the Chargers kind of, prove that they do have a bad defense give up more points to him maybe he's a sell high candidate but i am certainly sour on the outlook of one brandon cooks so i will drink my sour beer and have my sour candy will you pass me oh yeah a sour candy dave
1: there you go let's just switch oh really because i might i might have a positive outlook on you might be sweet on someone there you go well i'm not putting it that way but i guess uh oh just have fun with words i guess you could I happen to like Brandon Cooks in general, but I agree that like he's not going to be outperforming any expectations this year, and that if we look at a trajectory, that it's probably not going to be pointing up.
0: Right. So, That's all I'm saying. So, uh, you know, I I, I, will, I have him on a team. I will start him this week because it's a good matchup. Yeah. But unless, like, things change, it's going to be a matchup-dependent kind of start for me now.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have a big uh, uh, swig <sighs> to finish this uh, noon whistle fuzzy smack. Okay so while you're doing that we did have another question
0: uh we had a couple questions we'll just uh, point them out uh yee was asking if you should trade michael thomas for chris olave you and i both agree that olave is the new favorite over there in new orleans and that if you can have olave you should definitely go for it and the other question was should he trade jefferson for tyreek hill and um chubb and normally i don't like the two for one i don't like being on the side of getting two players for one really good one, but that's two good players for one good player. So I would say go for it if you can make that happen. I don't see anyone accepting that trade, but you never know. Maybe it was offered to him.
1: Well, because you have uh, Tyreek and Chubb that are in the first three rounds themselves and Jefferson, who is probably a first-round pick um, or or at the very least an early second-round pick, then you have too much value to, to, to turn down that trade. Right. Um, I don't know
0: who's offering that trade, um, but go for it if you have been offered that trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, throw in your Yeezys and uh, and get those guys, man. Yee. Do you, you know what that is referring to, right? Yes. All right. I don't know how old you are. I forget sometimes.
0: I'm old, but not as old as you. Oh, well. Uh, I don't forget that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't I can't argue with that guy no
0: it's just facts
1: all right so Justin Jefferson speaking of him uh, I am going to do uh, a little bit of an expose and, and I, I dug into this a lot because I'm really interested in uh, why it is that that he's been trending down and there are some some very uh, apparent reasons when you look at the actual defensive coverage schemes and I'll go into some detail uh, so uh, not not too much to put you to sleep but uh, keep your eyes open for a couple minutes here. So Jefferson has really fallen from grace in the eyes of fantasy team managers so far this season. Um, he's gone from scoring 34.9 points in week one's routing of the Packers to 7.8 in week two's loss against Philadelphia, and then only 2.9 points last week. Many people could stomach a 7.8 if it went back up. Yeah. the problem, and the reason why this is a, a recurring theme and a... Uh, a, a subject of discussion on all the NFL shows and ours uh, here today is because Justin Jefferson is one of the highest drafted and looked upon receivers in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, having experienced back to back years of very very high production, regardless of uh, of you know uh, what what other receivers were on the team. Uh, what offensive uh, scheme or coordination uh, configuration was going on Mm -hmm. uh, and what kind of defensive stuff was happening to him but i mean 2.9 points for anyone drafted in the first
0: round is a terrible week
1: yeah one that you don't ever want to see but having uh, a little bit of perspective on what actually happened during that game may be able to uh to um you know open up your eyes a bit so what what kind of insights from stats from the last few games give us about the rest of the season moving forward? And let's talk about the game versus the Lions. So specifically, against the Lions last week, Cousins spread the targets around evenly among Phelan, Osborne, and Jefferson. A lot of that was because of this really particularly clever way that Jefferson was defended by the Lions' secondary. Now, the cornerback, Jeff Okuda, uh, and I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, on the Lions has been really good so far this year. And he... Uh, set up in man-to-man defense with Justin Jefferson, but you can't just take Justin Jefferson on in man-to-man. And if it was just a Cuda versus Jefferson, he would still have scored 15 to 20 points and a touchdown, and you know had had that game that you're really looking for from him. Right. But the reason why he didn't was because of this. And pay attention. So he had a high safety from the Lions over the top. And you had a bracket safety leaning towards Jefferson's side in the slot whenever Jefferson came to line up in the slot or short yardage positions. Uh, And then you had the opposite safety on the top for most plays that was also spying Jefferson uh, for lateral crossover plays, preventing them from developing. And so you had three guys at any time, basically uh, not triple teaming, but leaning towards Jefferson to cut off any routes or anything that was going to occur Uh out there on the field. Now, because of this, we saw Thielen and Osborne soak up a lot more targets than they've had all year. So they both got eight targets. That's season highs for both of them. And the Vikings were forced to spread out that ball to get a win. Now, they did beat the Lions, but I think we'll see similar schemes from other secondaries focusing on Jefferson down the stretch. And we saw this before last year, but not to the degree uh, of which the Lions tried to play him. They had, uh, you know, the majority of their open players, their safeties, all looking at Jefferson on almost every play. (laughs) And because of that, the Vikings ended up beating them with Thielen uh, and Osborne. And so what I think that teams will look at is the fact that the Vikings have other weapons that are also going to allow them to win the game so they may not want to spend all of their resources like the lions did i'm not sure that that people looking at this game are going to take that same defensive strategy and try to expend all their resources on on justin jefferson now the eagles did a similar thing they double teamed him uh, but they didn't have all the spying and all the the adjacent um Um, safeties and all of that work going on. Uh, Wow, this
0: should have wound up in my column. Seven players on the Vikings had more receiving yards than Justin Jefferson.
1: There you go. (laughs) Uh, Head coach Kevin O'Connell has repeatedly made clear that they will continue to change their scheme and give Justin different aspects of lining up in different spots and different personnel groupings. They know that their offense is based around Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook's success. There is no reason for them not to completely base their offense around that. But what's great is that the Vikings were actually able to win this game, even though uh, there was there was almost uh, triple coverage on Jefferson the whole time. Right. And so I think things will improve for Jefferson because teams simply can't do that; they can't sacrifice that, or or they're going to have Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook run all over them, and they're going to have Adam Thielen scoring two touchdowns like it's 2018. You know, uh, and and the Vikings were able to create that good showcase of why teams shouldn't concentrate their whole secondary on stopping Jefferson. So, in my opinion, now I think we'll see a lot of this double teaming. You always do. There's no reason not to think that. Sure. But Jefferson can can escape double teams. Um, it's it's this 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 crazy focus all safeties on Jefferson thing that just happened with Detroit that I think was a an outlier situation, and time may prove me wrong. But I do think that Jefferson will reverse this trend, and his fantasy points should creep back up towards last year's 16.3 points per game average. Um, I, do, I do think, though, that he's going to end the season with a finish a few spots lower than last year's WR4 overall finish because of the fact that it's just a simple fact. Um, he is more out there than he has ever been. There's more tape on him than there has ever been. Uh, and so until O'Connell... Uh, and Jefferson are able to put some things out there that no one's seen before. You're going to have a lot of those regular routes that are run that are going to be covered by by that back safety and uh, and man coverage or mm-hmm. by by two safeties cutting off the, the possibilities of extra yardage on a play. Regardless, I think that we're not seeing Jefferson slow down or decline. Uh, we're just seeing the degradation of um, a variety, uh, in the in the playbook of the Vikings,
0: you must have been good at essays in high school. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and they really do need to uh, spice things up a little bit, uh, sweeten the pot as it as it were. Ah, uh, there we go. And I absolutely think that Jefferson's numbers will come right back up. So not something to be afraid of. Uh, certainly don't sell him low like the gentleman uh, that was talking on our. Uh, chat earlier was saying well i mean if you
0: can get diary kill and nick chubb for him then why not
1: right (laughs) but don't just go
0: unloading him for no reason
1: yeah don't don't sell low on jefferson that's crazy uh if you wait three more weeks and then look at the stats i i would be really surprised if he's not up there in you know uh where he should be in like the top eight to ten wide receivers i concur so uh
0: jefferson is way too much talent to be um bad all year yeah it was it was just a game that a team overly focused on him and you know teams will learn that they can't spend that much attention on jefferson and hope to win the game so so they need to they need to dial it back a little bit and that's going to open it up for jefferson
1: so i finally get to try the peanut butter stout uh i was thinking i might just be sour on all the players because that's my general uh that's your outlook on life yeah is it that's not true <laughs> Um, but it is easy to be sour on players that are trending down and all of the players that I talked about were all trending down. Um, and so you really have to work hard, I think, to, to look at those downward trends and, and make them shift upwards, uh, look for that, that bright side, right? Sure. Any other guys that in general for you kind of, uh, check the boxes of, um, you're looking at them do poorly, but you think they're going to go back up, uh, or the other way around? Um, There wasn't too many. I mean, like,
0: it's only been three weeks. There's not a lot of trends that are becoming very noticeable yet. Yeah. Um, But, like, when I see players that aren't playing well, the ones that stick out to me are, like, let's see. Let me give you a few. Um, You know, I, I'm surprised that, like, Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams aren't doing better. They should be. Leading the world
1: and everything. Well, the, the answer for that is the Raiders and the, the Titans are not good teams.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Because, like, Darren Waller also not doing a lot.
1: Right, so that right.
0: That's a common theme there. Elvin um, Kamara, he did miss a game, but then, you know, he's only got 14.9 points on the year. Not enough for an Elvin Kamara. Um, I, I want to see um, the 49ers offense pick it up. You know, Garoppolo's going to be there all year. So maybe it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get into it since he didn't have the preseason and whatnot that normally you would get from that spot. But, um, you know, I want to see George Kittle and that old combo, the Garoppolo-Kittle combo.
1: Sure, but they, if you watch the game uh, this past week, the 49ers were horrible. They were. I think
0: the Broncos' defense is good. It's the offense and the, like, coaching decisions on offense that are just mind-blowingly bad.
1: So, I, I mean... Yeah, I, I think those are those are valid guys to talk about, but the problem is I don't think any of those guys that we talked about just then are going to get any better until the team itself turns itself around. Right? It's uh, these are team problems. I think so. I think
0: so. So uh, a couple of guys who are doing really well, Carson Wentz. Do you think that that's sustainable or is that like a flash in the pan?
1: Well, something Carson Wentz was always good at is uh, you know picking a target and peppering them with uh, <laughs> with passes. <laughs> And so, uh, I guess a lot of these quarterbacks, they're all at the top of their game, right? They're playing in the NFL. So really it's about what's the offensive scheme and how difficult is the offense. And I'm not, uh, knowledgeable enough about, um, uh, about like the offensive schemes that the different coaches have. Okay. Um, cause there's the different coach trees and then what kinds of offense those particular coaches have. And then. Uh, how complex or simple the offenses are for those quarterbacks, and, yeah. uh, how much they're allowed to do their own audibles and, and call their own plays. Right. I would think that if you put Carson Wentz in a really controlled and simplified situation that he'd be a good quarterback.
0: He's good at throwing the ball. Right, yeah.
1: yeah. It's a primary, primary goal of a quarterback.
0: What about a guy who has been tested a bit more, Jared Goff? Um, he's a QB 9 on the season right now, and he finished last year pretty well. He's started this year pretty, uh, you know, doing well as – Likewise, as well. I don't know. I keep saying the same damn word over and over again. Yeah. So,
1: so Detroit is an interesting animal. They have a lot of playmakers, and Jared Goff was never a a bad quarterback in theory. Uh, maybe it was just an offensive scheme thing with the Rams that he was unable to run, um, and maybe he's not asked to do as much here with the Lions. Um, again, that that's going to require a little bit more. Very specialized football knowledge. <laughs> It'd be great to have a guest come on that was, you know, uh, intimately familiar with the Detroit Lions offensive scheme. That could talk about some of that, how it's different from the Rams, you know, et cetera. Yeah. But, but clearly he's, he's performing uh, at a high level for Jared Goff, right. And a high level for the Detroit Lions right this is now. True. They're scoring points and it's really excellent to watch. Um, I, but I think they have playmakers now that they haven't had in the past. And we're looking for uh, uh, Jamison Williams uh, to to come on as well, who is one of the most law lo- um, one of the most highly rated rookies uh, coming into this year's draft. And so you got a guy like DJ Chark that they hired to um, to have a one year contract to come in and show what he's got. He hasn't really done that, and I think Jamison Williams is going to come in and end up being the you know the the one B to. Uh, Amon raw st brown yeah there's
0: a lot of room to pass josh reynolds yeah well on that
1: team those two guys plus deandre swift slash um uh what's the name of the the jamal williams yeah jamal williams uh i think they have and tj Hawkinson. like they have a great yeah a building young team indeed I do. they do and jared goff is a part of that so i i have to say as much as we uh kind of panned him in the past he certainly seems to be doing pretty good right now
0: i mean jared goff made a super bowl he only scored three points in the super bowl (laughs) and i guess he doesn't even get credit for them because it was the (laughs) kicker
1: he got there right he got him there congratulations jared yes well done yeah so um anybody else you want to bring up no, not at all. Just looking forward to next week. Uh, and I, again, I think later on in the season, we'll probably come back and revisit the topic of player trends and, and we can pull this back. Oh, and, sure.
0: Player trends is one of our favorites.
1: And say, um, maybe we did a good job or maybe there's things that we didn't see.
0: Right. And it'll be interesting to take a look back at this, maybe in three weeks. Sure. You see if they've trended the other way.
1: But, uh, you know, sweet sweet and sour, it's all part of the game, right? This one was sweet. I'll finish off with the Sweet. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to our channel on YouTube, like the
0: video that you just watched, or give us a review, wherever it is that you do wind up listening to the podcast, and follow us on the social media networks, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and stuff. You can find us. We're Drink 5. Nobody's stealing our name yet. We're good. (laughs) So thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening.
1: Cheers, everybody.